I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Sans Pants Radio, home of the original Golden Girls. Welcome back to another episode of Movie Maintenance, where some movies just need debating. I'm Damien. I'm Handsome Tom. I'm Gabe. And this week, we're looking at Rogue One. We're doing something a little different this time. Rather than fix the film, we're instead going to have a debate to decide if it is garbage or gold. So, Tom. Yes. You liked Rogue One. I love Rogue One. You love Rogue One. I really do. And Gabe? I fucking hate Rogue One. It is everything that is wrong with current cinema. Okay. So we've got two pretty different points of view there. So for me, I was pretty much straight down the line. I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. It was fine, which kind of puts me in the perfect position for these two guys to convince me if Rogue One is garbage or gold. Now, debating the side of gold is Gabriel Caroline Bergmoser <laughs> and debating the side of garbage is Thomas Marie Reed. <laughs> so who wants yeah. to take us away? Hey, can I say, just uh, I'll let you go first, Gabe. You've got an easier job, so we won't be here very long. Oh. Um, <laughs> is this was very hard for me to do. And I want to apologise to Rogue One before we How start. How do you think I feel? I have to defend Rogue One. I rewatched <laughs> Rogue One last night in preparation and it was like, I got offended. I'm like, why am I... Fuck this podcast and fuck this franchise. I'm already having a For really putting me through time. this film. Again, I suffered through it once and it wasn't better the second time. It's the worst film. But mate, you, I, I, I mean, no, no, sorry. I, you're not, yeah. you're not, I, not a great trapped. opening statement, my friend. Yeah, was, uh, that, no, I win. <laughs> was that my opening statement? <laughs> um, um, I think you, you can lead okay. because you're, you're, you're the affirmative. Right. Yes. Yeah, no, that's how I these will. things work, me, right? Tell me why it's gold, Gabe. I will start. Round one. Consider war. Okay. Consider blood and death, and the constant fear that you might be next. He's, he's put a lot more prep into this than I have. <laughs> Think about this. Think about what that does to you. Think about the kind of person who can endure this. What keeps your hope alive? What, what if you're tired? What if you think you might be fighting for the wrong cause? And now let's think about the realities of war. Because it's not always action. What about the downtime? And how do you sustain your passion... When the action isn't all around you, when you don't have that infusion of adrenaline keeping you going. See, Rogue One beautifully captures this by challenging us as an audience invested in Star Wars to sit through two hours of sheer boredom. It forces us into the position 
of being one of those soldiers. It keeps the characters dull because it's reminding us that in war, not everybody can be the charismatic hero. Not everybody can be Han Solo. Sometimes, (laughs) sometimes it's just grunts doing grunt work. And that's the reality of it. And sometimes they're boring. Sometimes their motivations don't make sense because as human beings, don't sometimes our motivations not make sense? Sometimes this motivation doesn't make sense. Sometimes they're hollow black holes of charisma and you don't believe their reasons for doing any of what they do. But that's just life. That's just what people are like. And that's just war. See, Rogue One, at its heart, challenges us to like and admire the sacrifices of people we have no reason to care about. It takes away the sheen and the shine of Star Wars and shows us the reality. Rogue, Rogue One has this like beautiful way with callbacks. See, what it does is it goes out of its way at every time to have as many references to previous Star Wars films as possible, reminding us of films we love and in the process challenging us to consider the loss of life in the original Star Wars. Because see, if you take away the likable characters and the engaging plots and the intriguing mythos, and all you're left with is grim boredom and destruction, do we still care about the Star Wars? Rogue One makes us yearn for those films, but it implicitly critiques them by making us question whether war should ever be fun and whether a Star War is really any different. I'm the so mirror upset. I'm, is turned I on am us. So upset. You'll get your turn. <laughs> the mirror is turned on us because by wishing for a better film, are we not just wishing for a war without the boring bad parts? And if we can wish for that, then maybe Rogue One asks us, we can wish for no war at all. Oh wow. Okay. Tom, you have the floor. Okay, just a couple of points before I get into it. Um <laughs> I took this at face value. <laughs> So, this isn't part of my argument. Gabe, you're a piece of shit. (laughs) I hate this. I feel like this is what entrapment is. Uh, Moderator, I want a do-over. I thought I was... There was a moment, there was like a glimmer of joy as I heard you say Rogue One and the words beautifully next to one another. And I was like, I'm going to... This is... I get everything. Look, the pain I'm going to have to go through to to critique this film is going to be worth it because I'm going to have to hear this. Yeah, you're a dickhead and I hate you. I hate this show. I'm quitting (laughs) after this. Never again. Strong, strong defense. All right. Fuck it out. Okay, so (laughs) I've got three major points that I want to raise about why Rogue One is not the masterpiece many great people, <laughs> re- the people who say it's a masterpiece are really good, uh, okay. say it is. And first of all, it comes down to inherently what the film is. Yeah, The film is a prequel. All right? we've, we've had prequels before. Prequels, prequels have been done. We're, we're familiar with them. Prequels come with an inherent problem. The best part of a prequel is that you're returning to a world that you know, you're returning to characters that you know. So that's a good selling point from a marketing perspective. The problem is... It's really hard to do stakes in a prequel, especially if you're showing younger versions of characters that we know grow up. So we know they will survive this. So in The Hobbit, you watch The Hobbit, you know Bilbo is going to make it home. At no point when Bilbo's life is in danger are you worried about Bilbo's safety because you know he celebrates his 777th or whatever fucking birthday it is later on down the track. For Star Wars, in that final fight between Anakin and Obi-Wan, as cool as it is, 
you kind of know that how it goes. You, you know that Obi-Wan has to survive and you know that Anakin has to get horribly wounded. So the stakes are kind of non-existent. With Rogue One, this is at the fore. The plot of Rogue One is about the people stealing the plants for the Death Star. We know they succeed because a new hope exists. We know that they successfully steal those plans and that the Empire is brought to its knees with the destruction of its superweb. We, we know all this happens. Mm-hmm. So it's really hard to generate stakes. So what prequels do instead is they give you characters. So the idea behind it is we can substitute stakes with character. <sighs> and I will put to you that Rogue One categorically fails in that endeavour to replace stakes with character because none of the characters... This hurts. None of the characters are fleshed out enough for you to empathise or sympathise with them. My friend Gabe here has pointed this out. He says that they're dull and boring, but he thinks it's a strength, and it's not. It's a weakness. Because where a prequel would normally allow you to to care for these characters, so even if you know they they survive, you still want to go on the journey with them. Rogue One doesn't do that. At the end of the film, you have to look up the names of some of these great heroes. People say, oh, but it's really tragic because they kill off everyone. It's, that's, that's where the stakes are because you don't know if they're going to survive. That's only important if I care about who they are to start with. And that, that works for the villains as well, that the stakes of the villains don't exist either. I don't care about who Mads Mikkelsen is because I don't know any – not Mads, Mass Mikkelsen <laughs> – because I don't know anything about him. So Rogue One's, in Gabe's opinion's greatest strength and maybe some other people's opinions, being its characters, is actually its greatest weakness. Because in trying to fill the gaps that any prequel inherently has, it fails to do so by creating long-lasting characters that stay in your mind, like the ones from the original trilogy. So instead, and Gabe said it was you know brilliant uh, playing on that nostalgia factor, instead... It uses nostalgia to fill the gap. So it gives us Darth Vader. But it's not a Darth Vader that we recognise. He's acting like completely different to the terrifying Darth Vader we know and love. He has quips. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what is that? We get CGI Tarkin because it's like, oh, cool, we recognise him. So the, the filmmakers themselves, I think, realise the characters are flawed and don't work. So they try to prop them up with like cool tips of the hat and think that you'll forgive the lack of stakes and the lack of interesting and compelling characters in this film. Fuck you, Gabe. Wow. You have the floor. Round two. Well, I'm, I'm glad that you spoke about character because that's actually my next point. You, you are right in that I did mention that the characters <laughs> seem dull and boring. On a surface level, yes, they aren't as engaging and fun and immediately interesting as a Han Solo or a Princess Leia or a Rey or a Finn or a Poe Dameron. They don't have that factor. But let's look a little bit deeper because some of the characters might act in ways that seem, you know, inconsistent. But... On reflection, they make sense and they add depth and a grim and unsettling reality to these characters that we might not be used to seeing in a Star Wars film. For example, Saw Gerrera, introduced and established and talked about right up to the point of his introduction as a radical rebel. He's carrying on about the dream. We get the sense that he will do anything for the rebellion. And yet, when the moment comes and the Death Star attacks Jeddah, he just says, I'm not running anymore. Now, On the surface, I grant you, this makes no sense. On the surface, why? I mean, here is somebody who is so dedicated to the cause that, you know, they've they've been called a radical about, they're too intense. So we're actually being asked to believe in this moment that Saw Gerrera, because he's tired of running, would give himself up when he believes that he's the first line of defense against the Empire and he's the only one who's willing to do what has to be done. However, think about why. Because what Saw Gerrera's character actually is a comment on 
is the hypocrisy of rebellions, the flawed hole at the heart of people who stand up to those who oppress them by becoming oppressors themselves. Saul Guerrero is a Che Guevara. He is a Fidel Castro. He is a Lenin. He is one of those characters. And what Rogue One does so beautifully is illustrating that fundamental hypocrisy in that moment where he says, I'm done running. We don't believe that because Saul Guerrero isn't what he's made himself out to be because inherently people are flawed. Inherently, people don't put their money where their mouth is. Now, also, inconsistency, I grant you, may be seen in the characters of Cassian and Jean Erso. The scene where Jin says the force is with us when they're on the ship. There's been no preamble to that. There's been no indication whatsoever that Jin cares about the force. We haven't seen that whatsoever. Why do we believe that moment? But think about it. Likewise, when Cassian chooses not to shoot Galen Erso in the moment on that planet, we saw him at the start kill somebody who he'd worked with much more and who was far less of a risk to him than Galen Erso ever was, but he did it. So why in this moment? Because he's been told by some girl he met like an hour ago that, oh, he can't kill this person who is literally the biggest threat to the rebellion. He chooses not to do it. To that I say, there are no atheists in foxholes. Because after years of war and years of fighting, maybe we all just need something to cling to. Maybe Jin Erso, in hearing about the Force, believes that's something she has to hold on to. Maybe Cassian thinks, maybe this time, maybe this time, the person I'm out to kill is the wrong person. Maybe this time I can show mercy. Maybe I can be better. And maybe in the process, I have something to hold on to. But really, when all is said and done, Rogue One in its entirety is an indictment of war. And the most powerful indictment of war lies in the fact that we don't believe the motives of these characters. And like Saw Gerrera and his hypocrisy, in the end, doesn't it just underline the fact that no matter what cause you're fighting for, war and violence are futile and stupid in the end? <sighs> Tom, rebuttal. All right, so before I dive into my second point, I just want to address a couple of things that, that Gabe Please. has brought to our attention, <laughs> uh, you know, criticizing, bolstering weak writing um, <laughs> by saying that it's good writing. And I don't know people who would think that. That's just, you know, they're idiots. And he talks about this whole thing about Galen Erso being this, like, really important figure and has this really centralized thing. And who, who is he? As I addressed before, he's barely fleshed out. His function is to be shot in the head and give Death Star plans. He is literally a plot device that we're supposed to give a shit about. And we just don't. He's not enough of a, of a prominent character or a, or a well-fleshed-out character to make Cassian's decision not to shoot him justified. There are so many moments in this film that aren't earned because the stakes are already starting at, at such a low point, as I addressed before, and that the characters aren't fleshed out, we don't earn the deaths on the planet. Scarf. Scarf? Scarf? Scarf. The sand planet at the end that's sure. not Tatooine. <laughs> we don't earn that death. Saw Gerrera doesn't earn his death. He's this, you've said he's this big imposing figure, but he represents hypocrisy. Nah, he's just like... The good parts of him have clearly been left on the cutting room floor because of interference from a studio that wants their Star Wars film in a cookie-cutter mould so that fans of the series will keep going back to them, who is crippled by their ability, uh, inability to tell a new and engaging story, so they fall back on the stuff that they've always done and it makes it for a boring film. Which brings me to the inherent premise of Rogue One. We live in a society where Seth MacFarlane exists. And podcasts like us exist, where we look at pop culture in a humorous way and we joke about things. We joke about the improbability of Batman, the fact that he actually 
is not a good person and is very difficult. And and the ridiculousness of, of Tony Stark and how he gets away with the things he gets away with. We, we spend a lot of time debating those inconsistencies. The plot of Rogue One is about stealing the plans of the Death Star. But the reason they have plans to steal is because for some reason, the people at Star Wars HQ decided they had to explain a joke. For years... After A New Hope, or the original Star Wars came out, comedians, writers, nerds, pop culture people, Seth MacFarlane's seminal Blue Harvest have made fun of the fact that there is a torpedo-sized hole in the Death Star that if you shoot a torpedo in, would blow the whole ship up. Rather than come up with a, a clever premise behind why the plans exist in the first place, rather than making it they actually have to steal the plans from, like, Ben Mendelsohn's character and go in and actually risk their lives taking this thing, they instead make this plotline of having a guy on the inside who, and again, to explain away a joke, deliberately built a fundamental flaw in the Death Star that no one fucking noticed. That logical leap to get to that thing and be okay with that as a plot line is too great for me. I say too great, sir. Too great. Because they're taking something that was like perfectly fine in the original film and was only questioned in the same joking way that people talk about Indiana Jones and Raiders of the Lost Ark, in which if Indiana Jones doesn't steal the Ark, nothing in that film changes, the Nazis still open it and die. So that's that's seen as like a you know it's a big bang theory that's a fun show. <laughs> that's that's a joke like a butt of a joke making fun of the things that we were okay with in previous films. So taking that they've decided oh no 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 we we can't have people questioning uh, questioning the Star Wars universe, you know, the fact that like midichlorians and Jedi kind of works like diabetes. No 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 we can't have people joking about that. We're instead going to create an inherent premise that wallpapers up over this joke as though that was the intention the whole time. They're retconning their own series in the worst way possible. So instead of an exciting film about a group of people who have to come together to steal the plans of the, of the Death Star against great odds, we have a weird father-daughter storyline that's never explored, a weird friendship storyline between Galen and Ben Mendelsohn's character, which, again, I can't remember anyone's names, that's how unmemorable they are, that is never explained or explored. I mean, how is Galen designing this thing in the first place? Like, so yeah, we see at the start he gets kidnapped and they track him down and they're going to hold his family hostage and all these awful things. Why the fuck is he experimenting with this technology in the first place? Like, are we supposed to assume this is like the Empire's version of the Manhattan Project? That would be an interesting film if we got that. If Mass Mickelson's character was the Robert Oppenheimer of Star Wars, but he's not because he's barely fleshed out. Bringing me back to my first point. So I say to you, Rogue One is a bad film because its main narrative device is a bad reaction to a mediocre joke. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. 
Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Round three. It, it's Guys. an interesting point you raised there, Tom. I do want to flag the, the whole idea of Galen Urso being not fleshed out. You're right. On paper, no, he's not especially fleshed out. He's not especially complex. In fact, compared to the depths of complexity of Jin Erso or Saw Gerrera or any of those other well-fleshed-out characters, Galen would seemingly be one of the emptier vessels of characters in this film. However, what I'd like to ask you is, when you visit the War Memorial and you walk into the Tomb of the Nameless Soldier and you look down at that person who lies under there, who gave their life for a cause, does it matter to you that they're not a fleshed-out character? They're literally a nameless soldier is not alone the fact that somebody died for a cause in and of itself inherently powerful. Now, we can argue that, yes, it would be better had Galen been fleshed out. But again, I feel like Rogue One is challenging us. By having this ongoing indictment of Star Wars, it is challenging us to consider the fact that just because these characters aren't amazing, shouldn't their sacrifice mean just as much? Because in war, again, not everyone's likable. Now, that leads me on to what you said about, about it being a bad joke. Now. This is going to lead me into my, my third and final main point about why Rogue One is a masterpiece that analyzes war very effectively and in a very brutal, clear-eyed, and in some ways ambivalent way. Um, and that is, you know, the hole in the, in the Death Star, which of course... So in, in the original Star Wars films, this was a flaw. This was a flaw on the part of the Empire, a dumb oversight that made no sense, and it got shot. And it got shot, and the Death Star blew up, and whatever. Rogue One, as you rightly said, retcons it so that it was actually an act of rebellion. Now, before I get into explaining why this is a good thing, I want to talk about the Vader scene. I want to talk about the fact that the best, most rousing, and some would say only memorable scene in the film is one of Darth Vader charging down a hallway, murdering a whole bunch of, you know, the people whose side we're supposed to be on. It's got great music. It's shot in an upwards way, so you're looking up at Darth Vader, and he's very striking. And, of course, it's shot with the full knowledge that, as people who've grown up with Star Wars and who love Star Wars, Darth Vader is almost a figure of legend. You know, I've got a Darth Vader figurine in my room just sitting there. You know, he's an iconic, striking, you famous nerd. character. Yeah. And getting to see him cut sick in that way is inherently powerful to anybody who's seen Star Wars. However, what it leaves us is feeling warmly about the bad guys, feeling good towards the villains of this film. And to me, this is an intentional and powerful statement about the fact that at the time Rogue One finishes, setting us up for the start of New Hope, the Empire have won. And by foregrounding iconography like Darth Vader, we're actually looking at the power of propaganda in swaying hearts and minds against a cause that is actually right. At the end of Rogue One, the Empire are infallible. And not only are they infallible, they are glorious. We have seen Darth Vader cut down everybody who stands in his way. We have seen him standing on the prow of the thing as the ship from uh, New Hope flies away, saying their cape blowing in the wind in space, doesn't give a fuck. It is awesome. But we're not meant to feel that way. And that's the thing. The victory at the end of Rogue One, as far as we know, is absolute. Now, in A New Hope, there is a hole that is a flaw in the Death Star. 
That flaw in the Death Star completely flies in the face of the Empire's absolute victory because it just denotes stupidity on their part. The very thought of it, that they had this totally glaring error in there, completely undercuts any of that awesomeness of Vader or any of that glory that we're meant to feel at the end of Rogue One. It's so much more powerful that that flaw was an act of quiet rebellion by a man who was downtrodden, spat upon, and largely ignored as just somebody there to serve a purpose, much like the nameless soldier in that war memorial. Which is why Galen Erso is inherently a tragic and powerful and rousing figure. The whole Death Star makes perfect sense. And the Vader scene is the only way this film could have wrapped up in terms of looking at how we glorify war and sometimes we glorify the wrong side. Tom, I hand it to you. All right. So before I dive into my, my, my point, uh, I just want to touch on a couple of things that you've Please. tried to weave together to form some <laughs> shoddy semblance uh, of an argument, almost like you're building a, a shitty uh, doomsday device that has an inherent flaw built into its <laughs> ventilation system that would allow a torpedo to blow it up. Well done. Well done. Thank you. Do I get extra points for that? Two points. Thank you. <laughs> so the first thing you tried to weave was like you were bringing all this war stuff in about nameless soldiers and how Rogue One and Galen Erso do the nameless soldier thing. Star Wars has already done the nameless soldier thing and it's done it a lot better than this ham-fisted attempt, according to you, which I disagree that it's an attempt at all. It's just, it's bad lazy writing <laughs> that you've just tried to dress up as something that it's not. In Finn. From Force Awakens. We've, we've already had the nameless soldier. He literally is a number. And we come to empathize and to care for him and to understand his plight. And then from that, you, you know, it sparks conversations in your head and thoughts of, well, where, where do the rest of them come from? We've even had the nameless soldier thing happen in Attack of the Clones. A much, much superior film to Rogue One. Because there, this, this theme of war that never ends and, and mindless soldiers replacing mindless soldiers and what are the consequences of that is perfectly demonstrated in the clones. You have young uh, Boba Fett, who is a clone who has not been given the same aging process that all the other clone soldiers have been given so that Jango Fett can have a son. A very believable and normal plot point. And in that, you, you have this tragic character of Boba Fett who's, whose father is killed by the Jedi in this war that, that he's not supposed to be a part of. He's been given a name, but he's literally just one of the thousands of faces in this weird cloning facility, and he grows up to be a bad man because of the instances and the, the dramatic events that occurred to him early in his childhood. Is that not a better example of the cost of war on nameless faces? Is Finn not a better example of the cost of war on nameless people? Or the millions of random guys in Starfighters that are like Red 2 and Yellow 4 that just die. They just all die. We got it in The Last Jedi with that brilliant line from Princess Leia, who is vastly stupid, should not even be in Rogue One, undercuts the whole film. We've already seen that beat. We know she gets the plans. We've seen A New Hope. And there's no way you could see Rogue One without having seen A New Hope. It wouldn't make any sense. All right? It's not a film you can watch by itself. You just can't. So, but back to the point I was making though about the Princess, <laughs> Princess Leia bit. She even says that, you know, Poe Dameron in his like flyboy cool heroics killed heaps of people. We've, already, we've, we've seen better examples of the nameless faces and the cost of war than this slipshod attempt at sliding a meaningful theme over the top of an underwritten mess. I mean, they, they brought in how many directors to fix this film? That, that straight away, the alarm bells are ringing. This thing has the same production elements 
as Justice League, and that film Ooh. is white hot garbage. We'll be throwing punches. I am, I'm th- I'm angry because <laughs> this fight has not been fair, Damien. <laughs> Gabe also talked about the villains. You're so very convincing, Tom. I really believe you. This is amazing. It's killing me on the inside. <laughs> amazing. If you could see the inner turmoil going no, no, on I in my body. Oh, I can see it. It's in your eyes. It's not just hot in the studio. I'm sweating bullets. <laughs> and they are full of rage. Villains used to like underscore some kind of cool point. Please, Gabe, that entire Darth Vader scene is a cheap trick to get you excited because they know the fanboys like seeing Darth Vader do stuff. As I pointed out before, none of the nostalgic cameos are earned. That entire scene with Darth Vader doesn't need to happen. The protagonists of this film that we're supposed to care about, Jin and Cassian, they're on the planet. They've, they've just died. They're dead. At this point in the film, that bit with Darth Vader has happened when the protagonists have died. The film should have ended with their death. Although that would only be meaningful if we gave a shit about them in the first place. Which brings me to my final point about the Rogue One cinematic experience. And that is, the whole thing is a lie. Going into Rogue One, we hear the premise on paper. And as I've, as I've talked at length, the premise is stealing plans for the Death Star. It promises one thing. Now, I wasn't excited for Solo. I've been the first to admit it. I was kind of like, eh. Rogue One made me so fatigued for going back to the Star Wars universe and seeing all these old characters again instead of a new, cool, exciting things like that happened in The Last Jedi. Please don't be doing that again. So I didn't want to go to Solo. And then I saw the trailer. Now, the trailer wasn't amazing. We, we barely heard Solo speak. Lando looks awesome, but we, again, didn't hear him speak. But there was one line in that trailer that just, that just spoke to me, Damo. It spoke yeah. to me. I'm not going to talk to Gabe because he's a piece of shit and I hate him. <laughs> it spoke to me. And that line was Woody Harrelson hmm. saying to a young Han Solo, hey, putting a crew together. That is the greatest line in any film ever. When a character says, a character of, you know, dubious morals, says to another character of dubious morals, hey, thinking of putting a crew together, that means one thing and one thing only. Heist. Ocean's Eleven. George Clooney says to Brad Pitt, do you know what any, what any other guys are up to? Thinking of getting a crew together. We know straight away. Heist. Logan Lucky, we need. Do you know anyone who can, you know, get us into a, get us into a thing who knows explosives? I'm thinking of getting a crew together. Heist, Fast and the Furious. They are constantly getting their crew together. <laughs> the plot of those films is largely getting the crew together after they were split up following the previous time they got the crew together. Heist. Now I don't know about you, but when I heard that there was an opportunity to watch a film that was inherently a heist film set in the Star Wars universe in which a bunch of ragtag misfits went up against the Empire, I was like, bitch, please, did you make this movie specifically for me? But I don't know if you've... Oh, you have seen it, haven't you, Damo? I have, yeah. Yeah, well, I don't know about you, but as you're sitting there watching this film unfold, eating the popcorn, did the salty flavour turn to ash in your mouth and the fizzy drink go flat in your hand as you realised... With every passing minute, this was not a heist film. At no point were they going to get the crew together and break in and steal the plans for the Death Star. Sure, there's a little bit of a heist towards the end of the film when they're already in the middle of a giant full-scale battle, but there was no sneaking in. There was no wacky disguises and secret plans. There was no twist where you think they have lost but they have actually succeeded. When I saw images of Jin 
dressed in that like outfit of the of the Empire, I thought either one of two things was going to happen that would be really interesting. But because this film doesn't have the balls to do either, that didn't happen. I thought, hey, she's going to go dark side. Maybe maybe she'll go dark side. That'd be cool. That'd be really interesting. Is that would raise the stakes of the prequel if a character we haven't seen before because ah, she's she literally turns and works on the Death Star, presumably then dies when the Death Star blows up, or she's going to have to go undercover and pretend to be an Empire guy, which she does for about five seconds, and they get caught in about three seconds. The film lied. From its very outset, the film lied to its audiences, and there is nothing worse than a liar in the form of a film. Rogue One is not a heist film. It is barely a war film. It's a bunch of cheap gimmicks stitched together with bland characters to the music and the universe that you used to know. Fuck you, Gabe. Okay. May, may I just rebut these points? You may. Yeah, okay. So in response to the heist film uh, the heist film issue, I'd like to point you towards the November 2016 issue of Empire Magazine in which Gareth Edwards... I stopped Edwards reading after was... they kept giving five-star reviews to The Hobbit. Pick a better publication, well, Thomas, Gabe. Tom, Come on. Maybe you would have actually like... I'm standing up. You've had your chance to speak. <laughs> maybe like the... Uh, the... The popcorn wouldn't have turned to ash in your mouth and fizzy drink wouldn't have gone soft in your hand had you actually followed up with Empire Magazine and read the interview with Gareth Edwards where he said from the start of this film, he wanted to make a war film, which I would argue he did. Now, in response to what you said about Finn and The Nameless Soldier and all of that, I mean, yep, fair enough. Yeah, we do empathize with Finn much more. But the thing is, not every hero is a soldier. Galen Erso is not a soldier. And he offers us a different hero who sacrificed himself for the cause than all the people in the ships who get shot down and all of that. And the truth is that what Galen Erso and his seemingly ignominious death is commenting on is the fact that when all is said and done, we can't get to know every nameless soldier. We can get to know a Finn. We maybe can get to know a Boba Fett, although it's arguable that that's actually handled. But we can't get to know everyone. And isn't it the ones that we don't get to know who still die for the cause? When Galen says to Jin, I have so much to tell you. I want to hear what he has to say. I want to know this man's story, but I don't get to hear it because he's dead and he's never coming back. And isn't that so true of so many of those people who have given their lives in war? You asked me, Tom, when you said, when you uh, saw Finn in Force Awakens and you said, where are the rest of them? What happened to the rest of them? Who are the rest of them? Galen Erso is the rest of them. Okay. I rest my case. Okay. I get a closing argument. You I should yeah, rest my case. Do. So this is going to be a really short, it's really, really, really short closing argument, right? Because Gabe has, has tried multiple times, and I think I've rebutted most of his points throughout my argument. I just want to rebut one more, in which he talks about an interview in a second-rate movie magazine with director Gareth Edwards, a director that Kathleen Kennedy wasn't super stoked about, and in fact brought on other writers and other directors to do vigorous reshoots. Something that recently happened in Solo, which is why it was trepidatious. Something that happened with another Disney Marvel franchise in Ant-Man. And what we got was a hot mess with a bit of Edgar Wright in it. And Edgar Wright is a much better writer-director than Gareth Edwards. Because, guys, let's be honest. What's, what's Gareth Edwards' other big blockbuster? The, the, really, the really good one? Did he, did he do Godzilla? Is that Gareth Edwards? He did Godzilla, right? The, the film that, that has so much promise on paper that then gets, gets fucked up in the middle and then by the end of the film, you're just waiting it for it to end. This guy was handed, handed all of the ingredients to make a good film in Godzilla. He had great characters. He had a cool premise. He had something that people could relate to. He had cool special effects. And he blew it. 
exactly like he blew it in Rogue One. Like the Death Star also blew it in A New Hope. I rest my case. Oh, boy. Okay. I'm very angry. <laughs> well, Damien I'm going to have to fight Gabe outside after this. <laughs> uh, is that is that allowed under the rules? Can I fight Gabe? Hey, once you're out of once court's no longer in session, you can do whatever the fuck you want. There's a Macca's car park up the road, so you can meet there. <laughs> yeah, Mate, yeah. I'm not going to get there. <laughs> we're, 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 it's your backyard. Uh, I'm going to use Humphrey as a as a battering ram. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Wow. I'm going to I'm going to speak to the listener first and just say to them, I wish you could have been in the room <laughs> with me just now because. The earnestness and passion with which these two delivered these statements was outstanding. Was outstanding. I think one of us took it a bit more seriously than the other. <laughs> Let me finish my closing statement. Sorry, Dad. It was amazing. So, Gabriel, Caroline Bergmoser, you you brought up a lot of things I didn't I didn't see when I first watched it. You read into it in a way I hadn't thought of. You know, you found things that I hadn't seen in Rogue One, and that was interesting. That was very interesting. You delivered passion. You delivered facts, sort of. And you made me believe. Thomas. Thomas Marie Reed. Your passion was something to behold. I could see the twinkle in your eye that said you were dying inside. But externally... You, you delivered fantastically. You gave some good references. All the points you raised were excellent. And I felt like I'd heard them before, maybe from a different source. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's almost like I know someone who hates the film and I like used a lot of their points against them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It yeah, is yeah. kind of yeah. like yeah, that. No, fair, fair, fair. Yeah, 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 yeah. But look, I think I'm going to have to go that the movie is garbage. Both for Tom's passionate... Well thought out delivery with, a, with an assist from Gabe for his negative, but with a positive spin point of view. You just negged Rogue One. <laughs> you, negged you literally, you just negged a movie. This is, this is the hollowest victory, I think, in the history oh of hollow victory. I'm so happy because I fucking hate Rogue One. It deserves to be on the trash heap of history where it should rightly burn forever. Tom, so, can I ask? Yeah. Garbage or gold? Did you convince yourself? Uh, I convinced myself of some things. Like, I've, I've, I love it, and I, but I've always conceded that it is, it is flawed. So all, all I really did was take the flaws that I know were there yeah. and just magnify them. I don't care about the flaws. Like, I'm, I can look past the flaws when I watch the film. So in my mind, it's golden garbage. Like, okay. I am fully aware. Yeah. That it's that it's not the best Star Wars film by any stretch, but I it's but still on, it's on got a personal a soft, preference. Yeah, on a personal preference, you give it the gold. I give it I give it a gold. I give it a here, but like again, it's got problems. Yeah, I agree with some of those problems. I would I want more from from um, Galen Erso. I, yeah, you know, he's not a nameless soldier. He should be a well rounded character. <laughs> but I think <laughs> he's not a nameless soldier. <laughs> <laughs> he he literally has a name for a start. But I think it makes up it it makes up for its shortcomings. In just the entertainment value that I had, yeah. I do still feel betrayal that it wasn't a heist film, though. That was that's fair. That, that was that was the truth of it. Like is deep that, down, yeah, possibly your greatest point. And I think because you do fully believe that, it's the only point I fully believe. Yeah. <laughs> and Gabe, I, I look, I already know the answer, but did you convince any part of yourself that this movie had more merit? You certainly delivered 
Well, a lot look, of subtext that like I don't I said, think was actually I watched it there. last night and I was really bored, but I was like, look, this film is so irredeemable that I was like, the only way in which I can rightfully argue for this film is to take all of the things that are shit about it yeah. and try and make it seem like they were intentional because <laughs> nothing about it works. It's yeah. boring. It's turgid. It's packed with fan service. It doesn't develop the characters when it should develop the characters. It's just an absolute pile of garbage where the only good parts are tacked on at the very end because they're like, fuck, people need to walk out of this film with a positive memory. Let's chuck an Vader scene right. that completely undermines the rest of the film because we're meant to be rooting for the heroes. But no, nah, I have like five minutes at the end where we root for the villain. Like, fuck off. It's a terrible piece of filmmaking that I wish I'd never seen and I especially wish I hadn't seen it twice. Yeah. Um, so I'm completely fine with the outcome of this debate. The sincerity can, can with I say which that? you delivered your red-hot garbage was <laughs> outstanding. Just outstanding. You had to go, Tom. I, I will say this. I won. So, <laughs> as as awful as the victory was, I Stephen bribed it a little bit. Yeah. In that I won by default, pretty much because I was the only person who actually did what I was supposed to fucking do for this debate. Yeah. But uh, but I won. So, fuck you. All right. On that note, I'll be Damien. I was handsome, Tom, but I can't tell anymore. <laughs> I'm gay. And if you have any thoughts, opinions, just want to say hi, give us your own <laughs> amazingly well-thought points of view, uh, you can find us at uh, MM Sans Pants. Uh, no, that's not right. Oh, that's our Twitter. Sorry, that's our Twitter. Our Twitter at MM Sans Pants. Or our email, maintenance at sanspantsradio.com. Or our individual Twitters. I'm at Midday Pajamas. I'm at Orca Treed. I'm at Goldberg Moser. We've also got the Facebook group. Well, you can hit us up at two. Oh, um, yeah, Sandsmith Radio stuff and nonsense. Come on there, talk Find to us. us. Tell us things. All right, man, force be with you. Thanks for listening. If you liked what you heard, and like a savage beast, you want more, consider becoming a member of Sands Pants Plus. For as little as $5 a month, you'll get lots of bonus content and exclusive instructions on how to survive the coming rapture. Just head to sanspantsplus.com. You all come back now, you hear? Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.